Welcome to our first episode of the Outdoor Wanderings Podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Matt. And we're here to just talk and we're going to learn a whole lot about the great outdoors. And uh, as we're learning about it, we're hoping that you guys can learn with us. That's uh, something that that I've been interested in for a long time, but now in my mid-30s, I'm just being able to to get into it and really kind of learn about it. So pretty excited about it. Yeah. And I mean, growing up outdoors, we are both brothers. So grew up together and at the, basically the base of Mount Rainier and spent a whole shit ton of time outside and hung out in the forest and everything, but never really looked into what we were, where we were. And yeah. why we had the advantages of that was our backyard. And so it's kind of a deep dive in to see what made it possible. Yeah. And it's like, you know, growing up, like you said, I mean, we had, you know, we lived on five acres at, at dad and Chris's, which it was out and we, we go tromping through the woods um, out there. And when mom lived up in Greenwater, we had a whole national forest essentially right outside our back door, but we never had the experience other than a little bit of fishing with dad on like, we didn't like go hiking as a family and we didn't really go hunting. We did a little bit of lake fishing just down the road and a little bit of river fishing, but it was never like, Hey, we're going to go and, and, and spend time in the national parks. And this is what the national parks are about, or, Hey, we're going to learn how to you know, the hunt and we're able to hunt because X, Y, and Z are all, you know, all these great things. And um, well, I, you know. I, but I mean that there was, I, I suppose it's mostly the years that you were fucking, I guess, training or overseas, but we went to Yellowstone and down to fucking wherever Mount Rushmore is and the national parks down there. The problem at that point is I was, I would be 15, 16 and a little shithead at the time and didn't fully appreciate it. So while I had an opportunity and I've seen some of these places, by no means did I give it the respect and attention that it deserved at the time. And it's kind of always lingered in the back of my head that, Fuck, man. I, I should have taken better advantage because I'm 34 now, 15 years, a decade plus later, and I still have not had another opportunity to go and see these places. Um, yeah. And, and it's just awesome that they are out there. And I hope that our kids and everything can see them. And basically, so, they need to be sticking around. And so I, I think it's really important to look into and see how and what's going on with the public lands as well in current affairs. Sure. So I think, uh, being our, our first episode, I think, you know, a, a goal of this is to just learn a lot about the outdoors. And so, you know, today we're going to, we're going to talk about public lands and what are public lands a bit. We're not going to. And Sasquatch. Soup. It maybe, perhaps. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, there's so much, that uh, can be said and be learned about all the different types of public lands. I mean, each type of public land could be an episode in of itself. So we're going to probably just talk about a brief overview, but, you know, going forward, I think just to give everybody a, an introduction, um, you know, some, we'll, we'll talk about public lands, usage, land conservation, wildlife conservation, um, and then activities that interest us and that we want to learn about um on this podcast whether that's hiking fishing camping hunting and stuff like that because um you know we're we're learning all that i i started my first year hunting last year and you said you wanted to join me coming up and so that's a whole learning experience on it um and just being you know doing stuff like ha uh hiking you know i would really like to do one of these big long hikes like the wonderland trail and you know, so we'll be talking about all that type of stuff too, and and just learning about all the different great stuff that we can do on our public lands. 
um, as we go forward well, and, and, and talk I, about the conservation. So I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head opening is a lot of this is new to us. So we hope that everybody is going to be everybody listening to us. Good luck. Um, is going to learn with us because it, it's a whole set. Like, like I said, we, we lived there and I mean, I have a natural love for the outdoors. That is my experience with it. So I, I mean, when it comes to conservation and the different types of public lands and everything, I, I'm learning it all. Um, so I, I couldn't tell you how many different episodes we could do on the different types of public lands because for all I know, there could be a dozen. There could be a hundred different categories. Well, and I, I'm excited to learn that. Well, I mean, I guess that's a good jumping off point because let's see. So, so far we got, let, let's count them out. We got, there's national parks, there's national forests, there's national wildlife refuges. There's national conservation areas. There's national monuments. There's wilderness areas. National historic sites. National memorials. National battlefields. National recreation areas. Wild and scenic rivers. National seashores and national lakeshores. And national trail system. So that's that's 13 different types of public lands in of themselves. And they're managed by... Uh, you could lump them into, I guess, six categories are managed under six agencies, the Bureau of Land Management, um, U.S. Forest Service, the National Park Service, Army Corps of Engineers, the Bureau of Reclamation, and Department, the National Department of Fish and Wildlife. And so that's all the national public lands. And then there's the state managed lands, which are state public lands. But um, going into the difference between the national and the state and, and stuff it is uh is kind of a top of topic in of itself and uh, well out of, out of all those ones you listed um and if you could say send that over to me because i'm not remembering 12 different names off the top of my head how many of those actually are with wilderness and the outdoors because some of those you said i don't know national monuments and i know some of those are going to be like i said mount rushmore which is it's a thing for sure um and it's gorgeous for what it is but when i think national monuments i think museums in dc and things like that not exactly what i think of when i think of national parks or necessarily what would be up the alley of what i'm interested in sure well if um and thank you for that there's all sorts of stuff like um let's see uh the devil's tower national monument in wyoming um there's uh what else on here the grand canyon is a national monument so uh According to that, the Department of Interior website, there, since 1906, there's 120 national monuments have been created. Okay. Um, and now looking so, over the list that you sent over to me, it looks like maybe it's national memorials are... They're kind of more what you're thinking of. Yes. So, yeah, the national... And there's big controversy uh, over the past probably decade maybe longer of this national monument space called i'm gonna have to look it up it's in utah it's called like the bears ears or something but it has a lot of native american um uh, artifacts and hieroglyphics and uh a lot of native american um importance in that area and then there's been a lot of uh controversy of um on in the government of trying to sell off some of that land to the state for the state to manage it and some of it you know obviously the native americans and a lot of the tribes and and people down there in general are trying to keep it as a national um monument 
just because it offers more protection. Once you give some of this federal land over to the state, it allows the state a lot more freedom to choose what they want to do with it, whether that's lease it out to mining companies or sell it off to private investors or, you know, it, it doesn't hold the same protections as what's written in like the, it, written by Congress for the national monuments and stuff. So, <clears throat> but that one in Utah, that's, I mean, that whole, the topic on uh, the controversy of the, it going back and forth over the past years um is another topic we can get into which would lead us into conservation of our our wild lands and our outdoors so i think it is bear ears national monument um southeastern utah yeah so as i just got done reading this this great book about public lands and conservation um by mark kenyon and and he talks about it quite a bit down there and now an interesting topic to me would be and just kind of spitballing off the top of my head because i'm scrolling through this list that you still sent national battlefields while i've there has to be some sort of debate probably not a vigorous one about whether because I've been to some of these battlefields and even some of the pictures, they're maintained for visitation, basically. Do we ever let them grow over and return, or we conserve them forever in the sense it's a mowed lawn so we can go there and visit this battlefield? Um, things like that for conservation. Like, are we conserving the land, or are we conserving what is the idea and the spot, the memory, etc. I think, I mean, that could be an interesting topic. I didn't even know national battlefields were a, a thing and like part of our national or our public land system. I didn't even know that until I, I read that list today. So. Yeah. Nor, nor like honestly and visiting them, that's kind of what brought it up because it is maintained. And like I said, when we went there, it it was awesome. But once again, and I was young and probably did not give it the full attention that I should have, but it was fields kind of, you, you saw where the battle was. And back then the battle was in the middle of a goddamn lawn, apparently, as, which is tragic it definitely is but that's what it was and other than that there seemed to be no funding or anything like that i thought it was a mom and a pop little they've like had this land and that's just what they did i never realized yeah. that it was federally protected yeah Out, outside I, I mean, of realizing that i mean you probably couldn't go and dig up there or anything but like I said, that that's probably just because I thought it was their property. Yeah, it, it, it's it's an interesting to think about. I mean, on one hand, I think I think preserving our nation's history is definitely a good thing for the military history that and all that. But yeah, I don't know. But uh, uh, and a lot of them happened over kind of. Towards the east, um, a lot of that land has also, at least from what I've heard, I would like to learn more, and I'm sure we will over the time, has been pretty well logged and cut down and mined. So could that land be put to better use? Yeah. Well, I think, well, that kind of segues into, like, most of our nation's public lands are uh, in the west. Um, if you can, I can probably pull it up and I can send you a quick link. Um, but over, is it over 28% or 28%? It's, it's somewhere around 28 to 30% of the United States is public land. And I didn't realize that it was that much. Let's see if I can pull up an image of it real quick. Yeah, here's. I can pull this up and I'll send this to you real fast. According to the 
federal land ownership uh, owns roughly 64 million acres, about 28%. So that's not any more accurate. But um, this Did map you... looks like somebody got killed on the West Coast and a little bit of blood splatter landed on the East Coast. Mike? Yeah. Well, that's the that's thing I, I've learned. And I, I highly recommend that the book I was reading, either in, I mean, shit, if you ever listen to audiobooks, I could send it to you for free or, uh, you know, pick it up if you can find it. But it goes on to explain essentially what was happening. Um, and there was public lands before Theodore Roosevelt was president. But after the Civil War and stuff, and as kind of the expansion started moving out west, um, a lot of that land that you see on that map that's white, not colored red, that's that's private land, um, was granted to uh, Civil War veterans as payment, granted to freed slaves, granted to, you know, it was just, they were given out land left and right. You, you okay, know, they, yeah. They, you, the... they were allowed to, to be able to expand out west. It's like, all right, if you are willing to kind of expand our territory out west, wherever you put your flag in the ground, you're granted a hundred, you know, like a thousand acres. I mean, they were giving away land like it was cool. It's like in the thousands of acres in any direction is now your land. And then as, uh, do, do you know roughly when that practice stopped? Well, Thomas or not Thomas Jefferson, uh, Theodore Roosevelt is, is uh, essentially the the big name of of conservation and the reason why we have our public lands. There was some public lands. Um, Grand Canyon, I think, was one of the the first uh, to get a public land designation, and and some others. But um, he was the one who really just expanded it all, and then um, signed into law shortly after putting in millions and millions of acres of, of public land signed into laws like, all right, uh, uh, the president solely no longer has the ability to do this. Now it has to go through Congress because up until that point, there is a, a law written that Theodore Roosevelt, like he could just go out and be like, boom, public land, boom, public land. And, and then he signed it. And after doing that, there was a big thing in Congress of, of trying to like get rid of a bunch and so right as that was uh, supposed to happen, he went out and just went on a heyday and just went nuts with designating public lands um, right before con Congress was going to say, no, you can't do that anymore because people were getting pissed. They wanted to go out and log it and mine it and and all this stuff. And he's like, well, no, we need to preserve all this for, you know, we yeah, for, for sure for future for future Americans, we can't just use everything up. Um, and then, you know, knowing that his, the power for him to be able to just do that at the snap of his fingers, he kind of was like, all right, I did all of it. Now I'm done. Now it needs to take like an act of Congress literally. So, but that's why you see on that map, um, everything out West, what West of, the Dakotas, Texas, Kansas, and all that, it's tons of public land, whereas everything east of that, there's hardly any. Because it was already bought up and, and given out by the, the government as private. So we're, we're fortunate to have so much of it and have access to it out here. You know, you look at that map and look at like a state like Iowa, and there's almost nothing. nothing. Yeah. Um, and it makes you think, another topic and every should should the government be able to buy back some of the swaths of land out there and and or possibly I don't, I don't know the best way to go about doing it because it does seem very lopsided and one-sided and it's like like you said it's like Iowa there's nothing there and there's nothing to be preserved there or is there and it's just been bulldozed down so can we trade a chunk of nevada for a chunk of iowa but then you're relocating millions of homeowners and 
And at this point, I don't know if it would be even possible to do something like that, but or do we just try to hold on to what we have for dear life and kind of knowingly sacrifice the other places? But well, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think you can live like you can't own a home on on public land. Like you can't just go out on public land yeah. and, so, and build a house. So, so that, that's to. why. But like if the federal government was to be able to buy back or claim public land, I mean, it would cause oh, an uproar because then you would have to move out. Flood yeah, them. you're talking about the the people in Illinois or in Iowa that would have to move. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think that would be. I think finding stuff to preserve in other states would definitely be beneficial. But then, it the it begs to argue because right now and and still there's there's fights in Congress of of giving a lot of our our federally owned public land. Uh, over to states and counties but then again like i mentioned earlier that opens it up to uh it doesn't have the same congressional protections anymore now it's just managed by the state and they can lease it out to mining companies well and and, and by leased it out um fuck how can i word this um the 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 overall economic impact just from looking at that map alone it's going to favor the west the west side of the country like sure over in virginia they could then dig deeper and pull out coal from places that they couldn't in some of those mines and everything and they'll get some money for that but i mean just look at nevada if a quarter of that federal land was turned over to the state like that that could potentially open up and i could see it being then very lopsided it's well why are you then boosting up these states and not doing anything over here for us still because once you get that over to the state they're making like in some cases i would think fucking arizona new mexico probably i would have to assume oil places down there like billions of dollars well i know that in those areas is, would be huge for um and wyoming colorado i'm sure logging industries through there would be like all of these lands are worth i mean to me they're priceless I think we should do everything we possibly can to protect these, and that's why I want to learn more. But with that said, I think it should. Personally, I think it should stay out of the state's hands, and it should be federally protected. And just, I mean, for me, it's all the wilderness, though. I, I love to be outdoors. I want to be able to go see these places in as close to un disturbed as possible and I I just wish we had more of that across the country yeah and I think that's uh, that's one of the the greatest controversies about it is that is is how much of that land you know why 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 can't these people get it for um, you know economic reasons and whatnot and it's you know the the argument comes down to, and they've made it a, a political thing, trying to say that, you know, you get a lot of people on the right side of the aisle that is for less federal government, less uh, regulations and stuff, and their argument is that, well, you know, in the Constitution, the federal government isn't supposed to have this power over everybody, and that power needs to be given to the states and the people. And on on one hand, I can, I can also understand that government because that, or that uh, school of thought, because that's kind of in general, kind of how I think. But on the other hand, I also think that sometimes you need regulations. And if we do sell off this, this public land to the States and have it privately managed by the States and stuff, 
nothing really good can come of it. Sure, there could be some some economic gains and whatnot, but well, ultimately, and it does it's also lose. it makes you think because if like in the past, all of this is not public land because the federal government basically said, okay. You deserve this for this. You're going to take care of this land. You promise to. You get this much of this land as long as you can take care of it. How many problems do you think that could solve, especially with the housing costs going way up and people saying that they can't afford mortgages and rent and housing? If the government was to kind of open up a program like that again, it's sure you want 10 acres of land, we'll hook it up to electricity and plumbing for you and everything, depending on what sort of grid it's on and everything. Kind of a public work project there as well. But you get this untilled land, that's yours now. Stop bitching and complaining. Yeah, but I think once you open it up to that, and this is the, the argument on why the federal government needs to keep its protections over this area is once you open it up to that, you're, you're just opening up a can of worms and you're never going to get that back. And ultimately all that shit's going to go to the highest bidder. And as far as whether it's a mining company, a logging company or private citizens, they start opening it up in that sense. Even if the intentions are good, you're going to, people are greedy. Humans are greedy by nature and they're going to be like, Oh, I just got this, developed it. Up and I, now I can make money by selling it to this person, and then somebody with a ton of money is going to just scoop it all up. You know, yep. what happened exactly. in Hawaii for the most part? You get Oprah over in Hawaii that is buying up every piece of land that she can now, and they're, you know, all the native Hawaiians are losing all their shit. So, you know, it's, I, I don't ever want to see any of the, the public lands go away and, and lose their protections and i think it's it's kind of a what's uh i can't think of the the word i'm looking for but you got you know the the biggest public land and wildlife conservationists out there are mostly kind of hunter well i wouldn't say mostly but a lot of them are hunters and uh, anglers that that use the outdoors for fishing and and hunting, and it's it's funny I, that most, not all, but most pro- that are into those activities are probably voting Republican, but they need to be the ones to step up and tell the Republican state, stop trying to give away our public lands because we want these, we use them to provide for our families, and we use it for our recreation, and we use it for all this, and so... Yeah, it it definitely is an interesting thing because I'm out outside of hunters, anglers, you got outdoor hiking enthusiasts and campers, kind of what I would consider myself, except I haven't done it in too long to consider myself that. Or like what else? Like uh, other than that, sure, I get I talk to a people all the time that are like oh yeah i'm all for land conservation and everything and it's like you haven't left the seattle city limits in three years yeah and i think it's one of those things that should be uh really a a bipartisan issue to to protect yeah and it should be and you can still definitely be all for it and never leave a city i mean it's. Well, I think it's something that everybody should be for, no matter what, because it's our goddamn planet, and it's it's taking care of us for this long. We need to take care of it for a bit. Well, if you think about like um, you you got to take the in it, making a broad generalization here. Um, take the the Bass Pro and Cabela's outdoorsman, and the REI outdoorsmen because you got uh, you got two different groups of two different types of people uh uh on either side of the aisle so you take the bass pro people and the and the rei type people with all the with a common goal of loving the outdoors and stepping up and and protecting all this stuff i mean so it should it should be almost a no-brainer in my idea in my opinion 
that that it should and be really easy to. Do you think? And hopefully, and at this point, if anybody is listening, hopefully we will look into this and be able to come up with some answers and everything. But for now, do you just personally think that it's an issue of, I guess, marketing to everybody? Or maybe it is more to Republicans because they seem to be, and I think it's that mentality of reduce the size of the government. So is it marketing that it's, no, there is some things that need to be regulated and this is one of them? Or, like, where would that divide be bridged to get everybody behind this movement? Because, let's be honest, not everybody is. There's a lot of people out there who just say, like you said, economically, why can't these states do what they want with it? If they want to sell it all off and just clear cut the thing, let them do that. Um, Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. It is it is politic marketing um do you remember 15 or 20 years ago would have been the early 2000s i think or it might have been more recent than that there was those guys the bundies in oregon who had that standoff standoff with um yes yes the bureau of land management and their argument was because ultimately they weren't paying their fees to the government for having their cattle graze on public land. Um, Cause ultimately the, yeah. the federal government land, you can ranchers and stuff like that. They can set their, you know, open up their gates on their pasture and they let their cows out and they drive them there. Like back in the wild West, you know, out to the, the public land and the, the federal government lets them like, okay, you can use this public land for grazing, but you need to pay these fees to do that to help preserve the rest of it and it's you know regulated that way not one spot's getting trampled down versus another and and whatnot their argument was well this is public land you know you need to i'm not paying my fees because it's mine and you need to give this land back to the people ultimately arguing that they need to open it um, up for for use yeah oh but open it up to to private people and and have the state manage it and then that goes back to kind of what i was saying well then if the state's managing it the state's still going to want to make money off of it whether that's selling it to the ranchers outright or they're still going to impose fees so it was kind of a, a moot point but you know and that's kind of what you know all those all those guys that were up there were um you know on the on the right wing side and on paper, it it sounds like a good right wing rallying call. Is like, hey, this is public land. This is my land. Why is big government coming in and taking my money for using public land? But really, it it dives deeper to that. And so, a lot of the politicians were like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, we don't need, you know, we shouldn't be regulating this or we shouldn't be doing this. This is their land. Let's give it back to the people. And so they kind of use that as a rallying cry, marketing, like you said, to win votes. Really? Yeah. When, and it when, did kind of create that idea of, well, why is the federal federal government controlling so much land? Because it, yeah. it was a pretty big thing. I mean, it was national news and everything for a week almost. And before that, I mean, I, I'm probably, I mean, 15 years ago or whenever it did happen, I'd like to look that up. I really wasn't... <laughs> old enough to be responsible enough, I suppose, to keep an eye or put my ear to the ground. But I've never heard of really that battle between the state and the federal government over public land until then. So it makes me wonder if that has, if it correlates. Like if we could see on a graph where more land was sold off after or before, or if it just was kind of a blip in the radar that made the public more vocal about it. I think ultimately it makes the public more vocal about it, but I think it also has to do with just be living in the the age of information and access to information and, and being able to disseminate information so fast. 
because I learned reading that book, um, battles like that have been going on for over a hundred years. Not this, not, and now we can just see it on the five o'clock news Does and read it about it on Facebook. Does it seem to be more from farmers and ranchers, or is it basically? Companies, mining companies, companies, mining companies. Okay. Yeah. So it's not so many um, individuals. It is corporations and companies that are wanting land. That and well, yeah. But on on the individual level as well, there's been there's been plenty of stuff before that. Um, I think that was just the first time something has, had happened like that where and then went so big and escalated and. Yeah, because because of because it was able to reach, you know, national news. Whereas, you know, fifty years ago, you would have never heard about something like that happening if you didn't live in the area and have access to just your local TV, probably. You know, maybe the national newspaper, but you know, not not on the scale like it is today. And so, but. I want to talk, we've been, we've been going for about 40 minutes now. I want to talk about kind of what, uh, the national forest system, which I think is pretty cool. And to put it into perspective, and one of the reasons why, um, I want to take Mark camping up to this spot for his birthday is because it is in national forest land, which I think is one of the coolest designations of public lands. Um, and it butts right up next to a wilderness area. So, uh, what is, do you know off the top of your head, the different designation between, I mean, national forest is federally owned and operated by the United States government. What is a wilderness zone? So wilderness, wilderness, you're, if something's designated as a wilderness area, you can't, you can't do anything to it. Like you can, you, I mean, you can go out and you can camp in it, you can hunt in it and stuff, but you can't build trails. You can't build a signpost. You can't build, um, you know, road. You can't alter it from its original state. Okay. And, and is that and so, part of the national forest, just a designated zone of it or, uh, it could be, I mean, it could be a designated zone inside of, of a national forest. It could be inside the state in its own, forest. Or, yeah, it, it could just be in its own area. And before we do move on just to strictly the forest, it is also good to point out that these are national lands that we're talking about. There are state lands as well that are designated from the state that they have set aside that the states do have control over. It's, it's yeah. not just these national lands, but that is kind of what we are going to be focusing on. Well, the the difference between that, though, is you could think of, you know, one of the cool things that I want to tell Mark when we're out there is that we're that he owns that land. As a U.S. citizen, the land that we're camping on, he owns it. In fact, I want to get this shirt, cool shirt I saw that and the shirt just says public land owner. And you can as you can own it. Like you can go out there and yep. camp. No, nothing needed uh, except whatever you need to survive. Yeah, and so, um, whereas the, is the state stuff like state parks, um, and and whatnot aren't. They're open for public use, but they're owned by the state. Okay, whereas, that is a good designation. So, whereas stuff like the, the National Forest, they're managed by the federal government, but owned by the people. If that makes sense. Yep. So... And, and that's the kind of the, the idea behind all the public lands is that it's it's there for every US citizen to to use. Now obviously there's there's rules for different designations, you know, national parks um 
you know, for Mount Rainier National Park, if you want to camp out in the wilderness of Mount Rainier National Park, you have to purchase a permit for it, which, but all that money, um, you know, and we can get into how every, how all this stuff gets funded, but all that money has to go back into that system. It's not like distributed and all of a sudden the money that you, the fee that you paid to camp goes to NASA now or the military now. No, it goes straight back into the the National Park Forest or the service and stuff like that. So, but now was it a rumor then that I have heard growing up? I thought there was a designation of land that you could go to and camp in for free. Like when we went backcountrying that one time. That, yep. We were on national forest. But we didn't have to get um, a permit or anything like that. I don't think. Correct. No, no, you don't have to in national forest. So that that's like one on a national park. Okay. It's just two, two different designations. So a national forest, um, and I'm pretty sure it's in all national forests. I could be wrong, but in national forests, you can go along the trail and um, then just walk off the trail and, and go camping. Whereas in a national park, you need to purchase permits and, and, and stuff like that. So I don't know if it goes into it on this site. I don't think it did. Is it, the site just is, was a brief overview on everything. Okay, um, so it looks like, and I have no idea how accurate this information is, just a quick Google pull away. Um, you can camp on most national forests. You can stay this at the same site for 14 days. Um, yeah. The Bureau of Land Management imposes a 21-day limit. Arizona and California have long-term visitor areas. Um, but, so it looks like you can camp and basically just like you said, walk off the trail, pitch your tent. Hopefully everybody leaves you alone. No cougars, no bears, no, not, I don't know, angry hiker that twisted his ankle and lived there for 14 days. Um, and I think that I mean, is, it, it's incredible because it is one of the everybody says oh i just don't know what to do everything is so expensive how can i find time to do this or this or this we have this option every single american to go to our own land that we own and enjoy it for free like i mean effectively you can you could live out there. I mean, based off of the the rules that it's saying that you just read off, you can camp in one spot for 14 days, for 14. Yep. Days. And then you so change site you, and you, yeah. I mean, you can't, you, you can't go out there and, and build a cabin, but you could probably, I mean, you're, you're allowed to go out there and live off the land essentially. Um, you know, I think one of the, the other, differences between like the national forest and the national parks like national parks like yellowstone or mount rainier national park can't be altered um which i the landscape can't be altered in any way which is like, important they, you can because you can have trails but you can't have like a, a mass logging operation whereas even in national parks uh or national forest sorry some of that can be leased out for for use, and that's kind of where that that thing happened in 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 Oregon. I think was over Bureau of Land Management land or a national forest land because some of it can be leased out for logging, mining, and grazing operations. It's just there's a lot of rules that go along with that to try to preserve the the outdoors. But whereas the national park system, you can't go out and get a lease to go logging i i do think it is important to have 
those regulations um, in place for these federal lands and national forests, especially because if you are going to allow the free, basically free living, you can't have it. You have to put a restriction on buildings because otherwise you would see, okay, I can have a <clears throat> one site for 14 days. I'm going to build a hundred different small little cabins and rotate yeah. through them. But no, if you actually do want to go out and you want to spend time there, you have to do it as zero, uh, whatever the proper word would be, zero footprint. Yeah, zero footprint. Thank you. As possible. You go out there with a tent, you pack everything in, you pack everything out, you enjoy what you did, and you take the memories. Um, and I think it is important because otherwise then you're just going to have... I mean, I don't know. I don't think maybe the most the homeless population would wouldn't, but <laughs> it would make sense to me to just go build a cabin, and then yeah. all the land is ruined. I think then you, you get into an argument that that you're not just going out and utilizing the the land as it was intended. Now you're you're talking about actual like homesteading in a way, which there's other laws about homesteading and there's actually laws on how you can homestead, which I don't know if you can do that in Washington anymore, but I think places like Alaska, there's still, uh, under certain circumstances and I, I don't know it at all, but I'm, I want to say, um, that in Alaska, you can still go out and homestead, which is essentially what, we talked about kind of what was happening. You go out and stake your claim and then that's your, that's your private land now. Um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly though where and and how you can still homestead and, and come up with that. But I, I think you still can in places in the United States still just kind of go out and stake your claim. But, um, it's pretty rare now. Actually, I looked into it like, I don't know, probably five or 10 years ago. Um, just like I was just wondering, I was like, shit, can I just like go up to Alaska and, and stake a claim somewhere? I mean, is it that easy? And it's not. But but and I mean, we say it, it's not that easy. I'm sure if I went ahead and let me just I don't know, let's do someplace. Fuck, let's do Washington. And just look quickly, real estate for land. You can go out and you can get right here. The first thing that pulls up, 59000 for 20 acres of land. Like, yeah. if you want well, to can... homestead, you can homestead. Yeah, but, I mean, you're still, you're not, when I'm, when I'm talking homestead, I'm just, like, you're driving down the road, park your car, you hike 10 miles into the woods, and then just say, all right, this is my house now. Yeah. And... Whereas, you know, like, and you can, you can buy land. I mean, you can still purchase land, but you're still, you're buying it from a private owner. Well, not I, just... and let's be honest, you're still, and I'm pretty sure even when you go up in homestead, eventually it's going to get around. You're paying taxes. You're, you're renting the land. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is some interesting, while you were, hadn't gotten back yet, that was, I was um, reading on on the the national forests. I think just not knowing very much yet um, are probably my favorite kind of public lands, just because there's so much you can do. You can do. I mean, the national forest system is amazing. I mean, you want to go and hunt, you can hunt. You can fish anywhere. You can go. F four by four and on trails you can ride your atv well, around you can and the nice thing is is they are maintained too they are maintained yeah. but they are left alone and it's it's a weird i don't know balance between like you're not going to go out there and be bushwhacking through to see everything there will be a trail for you that will be maintained and everything and it is it's accessible or you do have the option to take a step off the trail and i mean it should go without 
saying to anybody listening, but if you do that, then the only thing you should be leaving behind is your footprints and very minimal at that. Um, What's uh, on the, the national forest web forest service website. um, You know, the, the land management of the national forest system they focus on conservation, timber harvesting, livestock grazing, watershed protection, wildlife, and recreation. It says, unlike the national parks and other federal lands managed by the National Park Service, extraction of natural resources from national forests is permitted and in many cases encouraged. Forest products are the resources removed and harvested from national forests um, for commercial or personal use, such as lumber, paper, firewood, as well as special products such as medicinal herbs, fungi, edible fruits, nuts, and natural products. So, I mean, you can go out into a national forest and and pick mushrooms or berries. And, and, I mean, I I don't know if you remember, I either I have a a memory of or a false memory, and it's just imprinted into my head. It's possible, and that's where a lot of – you'll see it in old cartoons and everything, old movies – you can go to a national forest and get yourself a Christmas tree. Yeah, you can still do that. I think I think through the purchase of a permit. I'm not sh- I want I think maybe not. Well, in that case, I don't I, know, it's but not I know a memory. <laughs> it, <laughs> no, you you can definitely go out into the national forest and, and cut down a Christmas tree, but I don't know if a permit's required or not. I think, I think probably is. I think for a lot of things like, I, and uh, it would make, going back it would to, make a whole lot of sense for it. I mean, and that would be a thing that I don't think you would want necessarily to be a, just everybody go and chop down a tree yeah. if you want, but <laughs> Well, but like in like on their website, like it says that it sometimes is encouraged and permitted. But you know, like livestock grazing, going back to that that whole issue is they. Um, I mean, you are permitted to have your livestock graze on national forest service or national grasslands, but they do have to pay fees and whatnot. Same thing with logging, or you know, if you're going to go out there for personal use firewood, yep, you still need a permit to do that. Otherwise it's just going to be gone. Yeah. You know, and you know, they, they sell permits and this is also can kind of go into, to hunting and fishing as well. But for all that land use, you know, they sell permits based off of the need to conserve and preserve the land and wildlife in that area that you can't get a hunting license and go out and kill every animal you see you know, they give you one license to kill or harvest one animal of one species in certain and places. Didn't, because... didn't you mention a little bit on the the fees and everything uh, for these permits? Wasn't it something like 80 plus percent went directly back into conservation of the forests? Uh, it's well, it depends on, on what kind of permit and stuff. But like if you talk about like... Uh, when I purchase my hunting license or and whatnot, a hundred percent of that goes back into conservation or and management. Um, and I don't know if the same goes for a, um, like a grazing permit like or a, anything, but yeah. either way, but I, I mean, I, like a hundred percent is even better than 80%. And that's, it. it's directly back into taking care of these things. Yep. And they have to, when it, like the state of Washington sells you uh, a hunting or a fishing permit, um, that all that money goes in directly into um, this fund. And then if the state, the way that the, the federal government wrote the law, if the state doesn't use 100% of that money that they've gained from all the licenses and stuff they've sold, if they don't use it for what it's intended... It automatic like so. So if at the end of the year, if something's left over, I'm talking about, if something's left over of that money, it automatically goes into the fund to what is it to protect migratory birds or something like that? 
it automatically goes straight into something. And so the, the, when the federal government made the, the laws on like, and on the, the hunting licenses, they made it. so like, all right, all this money has to go back into these programs. And if not, you don't get to keep it just, yeah, just by default, it's going to go back into these programs. So it, it's a, it's a pretty good system in my opinion. Um, you know, and that, you know, kind of shifting gears and talking about the funding of this is a lot of it, you know, there's taxes, special taxes on all sorts of stuff. If you go into uh, an outdoor store and you buy trekking poles for hiking, the tax on that goes back into uh, public lands or or used in some way, shape or form for that stuff. Um, if you buy a uh, a hunting rifle, all the taxes on that go back into some sort of outdoor uh, fund. Um, pretty much any outdoor recreation gear. If you yeah. buy a tent, taxes on that go back into some sort of outdoor recreation. So, you know, it it's it, where they get their funding and how they set it up you know, makes it really, you know, kind of by the people for the people. Now I'm looking really quick. I had the 2020 budget pulled up. I must've closed it down, but overall as well is the funding or the, the cost of the national parks program is, is not a lot. No, like, National park funding in 2020. National park. It's only 2.7 billion. Now, I, I, this is just a quick Google, so I'm not 100% sure of the accurateness of the information. But that's, I mean, that's pennies compared to what we spend. And that is uh, taking care of, like, if you looked at the map, um, and I'm sure we'll probably maybe toss it up on the website with the podcast, but over, I don't know, maybe a third of the country is national land and we spend pennies to conserve it. Um, it, it's pretty impressive, but whatever we can do to get that up there and keep preserving it, like I just imagine what it could be. Yeah. Well, let's, I just sent you a link. Um, <clears throat> and th- this article uh, isn't about Washington specifically, but it's all, it's all the same, but it, it talks about um, like where the, what I was talking about, where the, the hunting and the fishing money goes. So I think a, a lot of that, that funding and, and whatnot also comes from, from programs like this. Uh, there's just, there's so much information on, on all this stuff. Well, and, and that mean, is the thing. I mean, in the grand scheme of public lands, even in the grand scheme of national forests and if funding, funding for all of this, it is they could all be their own in-depth topics. So there's yeah. going to be a lot to dissect and learn as we're going through. And it's kind of excited to see kind of where it all interweaves and leads us. I, I think some very good discussions, a lot of more thoughts and ideas than actually diving in and learning kind of figuring out, okay, this is 100% how it works and everything. A lot more discussing kind of how we feel about it, which I think is a great starting off point. Well, anybody who's listening, I appreciate you stopping by and uh, giving us a shot. You can go to our website, outdoorwandering.com. That should be up and running currently. I mean, it's there. If you go there, there is a website there. However, there's not a whole lot there, but we plan on, we'll be posting, uh, you know, blog posts of kind of recapping what we talked about on each episode and maybe just different articles as, 
as this thing starts going. Um, and you can reach us there uh, through a contact button in a, in a form you can fill out. You can reach us or you can email us directly at outdoorwandering at outlook.com. So thanks, everybody. So, yep. Thanks once again. Is that I am, I was, I am still Matt and enjoyed you guys listening to us. So thanks very much. And, our outdoor wandering.com.